The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, church. May the peace of Christ be upon you. We've been in a sermon series in the book of Ecclesiastes, Good News in a Meaningless World. Before we get in our text today, let's begin with prayer. Pray with me. God, we confess that we long for the good old days. For in this time of social distancing and church online, being separated from friends and family members, from having uncertain futures with the economy, God, we are mournful and sorrowful. We are frustrated. And God, we are just tired. And so as we read your word today, we look and ask for your wisdom. So today, as always, give us ears to hear and hearts to follow. And give us lives that obey and will receive your newness. And as always, God, give me the gift of preaching this morning. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, beginning of verse 1. The teacher says this, A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. Like a crackling thorn under the pot, so the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise person into a fool and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of the matter is better than the beginning and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. And do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing, and it benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter, as money is a shelter, but the advantage of knowledge is this. Wisdom preserves those who have it. So consider what God has done. Who can straighten what has been made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. Well, that was depressing. I mean, what happened to all that talk at the beginning of Ecclesiastes where the teacher said, eat, drink, and enjoy your labor. This is a gift of God. I mean, now he's moved from this seize the day mentality, like live life to the fullest and enjoy it to embrace mourning. I mean, he, he goes from the celebration of birth to feasting and laughter and pleasures and song, and he moves on to death and mourning, 
frustration, and sorrow. I mean, he, he even goes on to say that all of these good things in life, that we celebrate birth and the pleasure and singing and all the good things that we experience, he concludes these two are meaningless. And he actually says that life is better when one mourns or is sorrowful, when one is frustrated. And he's trying to, he's not trying to explain the suffering or say why we experience it. But what he's really doing in this text is saying, you need to embrace it. You need to embrace mourning and sorrow and frustration. It seems to me that the teacher at this point in the book of Ecclesiastes is in a very dark place. As he's trying to sort out the meaning of life and asking all of these questions, it seems like his maxim or his saying of just eat, drink, and be merry, it just doesn't work. He's come to that conclusion. And it feels like he's in a very dark place. But I wanna say this, that what he says in chapter seven is not as dark as it may seem that there is actually wisdom in the teacher's reflections. For he says that the day of death is better than the day of birth. This is a really strange, sounds strange to our ears because I don't think that the end of someone's life is, is better than when my child was born. But I think this is what he means by this, that the day of death is better than the day of birth. Some of you may remember that Stephen Covey wrote a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in that book, habit two was begin with the end in mind. And this is what he means by this. Stephen Covey says this, beginning with the end in mind is to begin today with an image or picture or a paradigm of the end of one's life or the end of your life as a frame of reference for the criterion by which everything else is examined. Each part of your life is examined in the context of the whole of what really matters most. The teacher goes on in verse eight to say this. He says that the end of the matter is better than the beginning. And what I think he means by all this about the day of death is better than the day of birth and sandwiched down in verse eight by saying that the end of the matter is better than the beginning of it, is to say that this is where wisdom actually comes from. That over time, that the end of your life, once you've gone through everything, once you've gone through the good and the bad, it actually gives you some perspective. The other thing he's saying is this, is that in order to gain perspective, that he seems to think that we need to go through hard times in order to do this. That we need to sit in the house of mourners, that we need to be sorrowful, that we need to uh, experience life at the bottom in order to gain perspective. Many of you will remember uh, a young man, he's not a young man anymore, he's my age, 
but he was a part of the youth group at the Springs, the, the Quell Springs Church of Christ when it used to be on May Avenue. His name was Todd Barnes. I was in the youth group with him. And I remember in high school, he played football for Edmund Memorial. And one day in practice, he went to make a tackle and uh, he went head down along with the other player. And as they hit, Todd fell to the ground and he lay limp and couldn't move any of his body. As it turned out, the impact of that crash, it actually broke his neck. And he could have been paralyzed, he could have died that day. Fortunately, he wasn't paralyzed and he was still alive, obviously. But I remember about a year after that, or a year or two after that, having lunch with Todd and talking to him about this experience. And he said, man, when that happened, I could have died. I mean, I mourned my life. I mean, I thought football was over. I thought my life as I knew it was over. I may never walk again. And my, my whole future is uncertain. But then he said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, but I don't regret that experience. I don't regret going through that suffering, even though it was horrible. Up to that point in his young life, it was the most horrible experience he had ever, that had ever happened to him. But he says, I don't regret it. In fact, you had a sense that he really embraced that experience because it changed him. It gave him a new perspective on life. In fact, it made him see what was actually important in life. I had never had anything like that happen to me. In fact, up to that point in my life, nothing tragic had really happened at all in my life. But I remember thinking, even at that young age, that, man, as I listened to Todd's story, I remember thinking, man, I wish I had some of Todd's perspective on life. Because even though nothing bad had happened at that point in my life, I knew, I just knew it was coming. It was inevitable. I didn't wish it to happen. I didn't want it to happen. But I knew somehow that suffering was going to come my way. And I just wanted some kind of perspective. And Todd offered it for me. And I think it was helpful for me as I entered into later years of life remembering his story and having perspective about my own suffering. And I think the teacher says that embracing mourning, that embracing sorrow will lead to wisdom. And he says, who can understand everything God does? Who, who can straighten what God has made crooked? And what he means by that is that not crooked in the sense of it's morally crooked, although that is a sense, but that life is just not crooked. There's ups and downs, there's back and forth, there's good times and bad times. And we wish it was just a straight line. We wish it was just a straight arrow, but it is a, it's crooked. And so the teacher in all his wisdom says this, that it's better to embrace times of mourning and times of sorrow because that kind of wisdom, that kind of moment gives, not only gives us wisdom and perspective, but it prepares us to not only enjoy the good times, 
but to survive the bad times as well. But the teacher doesn't have the last word. In fact, the gospel actually has something to say about mourning as well. And, but the gospels is not about mourning for the sake of gaining wisdom or perspective. This is not really what you find in the New Testament or in the Gospels, but rather we mourn in the New Testament. There is this real sense that embracing mourning and sorrow is that we mourn and we're sorrowful at the way that life really is. And we do this so that we may receive the newness of life that only belongs to God. In John chapter 11, beginning in verse 32, it says this, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had not been there, my brother would have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he said, Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out with his hands and feet wrapped in stripes of linen and the cloths around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What strikes me about this story is that Jesus, who deeply loved his friend Lazarus, when Mary comes to tell him, hey, Lazarus has died. And Jesus says, where have you laid him? And Jesus is going to, to Lazarus and he knows exactly what is about to happen. He knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. What strikes me about this story is that even though he knows the outcome of the story, perhaps maybe one of the most famous verses quoted by all children when they when you ask them what's their favorite verse or what verse they can remember. This famous verse, this two-word verse, it says, Jesus wept. It strikes me that even though he knows the outcome, that Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead, that he still mourns. In fact, when he gets to the tomb, once more he is deeply moved in his spirit and he mourns. And one of the reasons why I think this speaks to us and speaks to the question that the teacher asked, that it really resonates with what the teacher, and it echoes what the teacher says. He says, for it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone and the living should take this to heart. What I think this speaks to is exactly what the teacher is talking about. That even though Jesus knew the ending, he knew the reality of this world. 
He knew the destiny of all human beings that had gone before, what had happened to them before, and he knew the destiny of all human beings that have gone after. He knew that death was a reality. And not only so for all of humanity, he knew his destiny. And so Jesus mourns the way the world is. He knows this is the way the world is, and he mourns that. And what I find to be good news is that this is not just a way that Jesus gets wisdom or perspective. But this actual mourning, the way the world is, it's the way that he can receive the newness that only comes from God. Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. As God's people, it is appropriate to mourn. It's appropriate to be frustrated. It's appropriate to be sorrowful. It is appropriate to be in these days to have all of those feelings that you have right now because the world is just not right. We're asking questions about why this is and how can this be and what is the certainty of our future? And we feel the weight of our circumstances and we mourn it. We mourn the lives that have lost to COVID-19. We mourn the economics that are lost and the potential that's lost there. And it is appropriate for you and for I to embrace that kind of mourning. It is appropriate to embrace the kind of mourning that mourns the way life is. It's appropriate to mourn sin in our lives. It's appropriate to mourn death. It's appropriate to mourn cancer, to mourn corruption, to mourn sickness, to mourn injustice, to mourn all things that are just not right in life because life is not supposed to be that way. And in our mourning, in our embracing that day of mourning, mourning, embracing the mourning that the world is just not right, that life is just not as it should be, in that moment, that's when we are ready to receive the newness of God.